To Lather Talk, a wet shaving podcast. I'm your host John, aka Lather Hog, and with me is my co-host Gerard. Hey, what's ever, what's going on, everyone? Hey, Gerard Shaves here. And for our special guest today, we have Dennis, the owner and artisan of Spearhead Shaving. Hi, Dennis. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, let's, let's launch into this chat then. If you had a desert island shave setup, so it's the one that you're going to use forever and ever for the foreseeable future do you have a razor a brush um software software is optional since you could pick your own or you can make your own from the island remnants but (laughs) what would you choose as far as like razor and brush so for the razor i I would probably choose the the gillette tech that i'm using right now it's a it's one of the plastic handled ones and it's I, i just love it it's so light it's it's just a fantastic razor. I'd probably take that. And it was made in whatever year, right? It was stamped in the United States. So it's probably going to last forever. So that's the razor I'm going to go with. Um, in terms of brushes, I'm, I'm really not a brush guy. The brush that I use day in and day out every single day is the 24 millimeter Timberwolf from Maggard's, probably a $15 brush. I love it. So that's the one I'm taking. Now, as far as software, that it depends on whether or not my wife is with me on the island. Because if my wife is with me, Declaration uh, Massacre of the Innocents is it. I mean, that is, that is my wife's thing. She absolutely loves it every time she smells it. So if my wife is not on the island with me, I would probably bring Spitfire from Phoenix and Bow. And for this soap, it's really... Um, it's really the imagery of it. It's got this iconic World War II airplane on it. I really like that imagery and the, the scent of that soap. Um, I think it's leather, tobacco, and uh, uh, what is it, Gerard? You probably know. Juniper. Juniper. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's, it's just this kind of deep, dark, very World War II-esque scent that I can kind of relate to because I like the history. So, so that's my answer. That's my setup. So, Dennis, when we spoke about all this, you know, a while back, um, I like to kind of know everyone's story, you know, like every time in the beginning. So, you know, before jumping into Spearhead and everything that you've done with it and all the work that you've done with it, how did you get started into wet shaving in general as a hobby? Yeah, so I started wet shaving probably about three years ago, and I've been shaving for 20 years, but traditional wet shaving for three. And I was one of those guys that had a really thick beard by the time I was in middle school. But one of the one of the problems that I always had was ingrown hairs around my chin. And it, it was something that was it was really difficult because I was a young professional in an office environment. And it was kind of embarrassing, you know, to have you walk into the office and you have this big red spot on your chin. And uh, I had this insane routine where I would buy the most expensive five blade cartridges. I would replace them every three days to make sure they stayed sharp. Um, you know, change my pillowcase, change my towels every day, have the exfoliators and all that stuff. And it was so frustrating because the problem never went away. And then my dad got into wet shaving a couple of years ago and he said, I've heard that a single blade can kind of fix that problem. So I was willing to give it a shot. So I went on Amazon, I bought my cheap twist to open razor and, uh, Taylor of Old Bond Street, like everybody else. And for me, it was absolutely amazing. The, the problems with the ingrown hairs went away, like immediately. And 
you know, I think anytime you have a revelation like that, that the answer was right there in front of me. It was century old technology and realized that the shaving industry had lied to me for 20 years and told me I need to spend, you know, 10 bucks on a cartridge cartridge to get a good shave. That was really impactful. You know, you kind of become an evangelist. You kind of become against big shaving and an advocate of the industry. So I started to get a little bit more involved in the community, in the product aspect of it. And that's kind of how I got involved in wet shaving to start. Getting involved in the business aspect of it was really out of necessity because I travel a lot for work. I spend typically two to three days out on the road. And all I wanted was a really small, compact case for my razor and for some blades. And all of the cases that I saw on the market, I didn't like them for one reason or another. Either they were big and bulky and made out of leather, or they didn't hold a a tuck of blades or something like that. And I saw this razor case that somebody had posted from World War I called uh, the Gillette Khaki Set, if you guys are familiar with that. Uh, For anybody who's not familiar, it's this it's this awesome little canvas case that folds up like an envelope, but it's just perfect use of space. It's really small. It's really compact. It's just very utilitarian. And I wanted to use that in my travel case and I own one, but it's a hundred years old and it, you know, it's just a little too old to, to use. So my goal was to make one for myself and I tried on my sewing machine, but it couldn't handle the materials that I wanted to use. I wanted to use modern military materials. So I started I started calling up military contractors and I, you know, my, my message was, I've got this idea. I want you guys to sew this for me. And as you can imagine, if somebody's used to sewing a million ammunition pouches a year and some shaving nerd calls them up and says, I want you to make 50 razor cases, uh, that's not really appealing to them. But fortunately I was able to find a company that they bought into the vision. They were interested and we, we forged a partnership and that was, that was really how we got started. It was one product, and that was the Spearhead Safety Razor case. From there, so that was three years ago. We're here today, and, and a lot's happened since the launch of the Spearhead Shaving case. You know, how did the, and you've gotten into soaps. So how did um, the vision for the experimental line and eventually the main line come about? And so when I was setting up the company, I, I put the money in the business checking account. I did the incorporation documents and I said, you know, promise yourself you'll never get involved in soap because I, I look at the soap aspect of, of the niche and the economics are absolutely awful. You know, you look at it and the margins are terrible. It's a heavy product to ship relative to the selling price. It's super crowded and competitive. There are lots of people doing it. And, you know, anybody with enough desire and and effort can figure out how to make soap. And so I I said, Dennis, you're never going to do it. Um, I'll never make soap. And then, so I work in sales. And I think one of the fatal flaws of salespeople is we can fall in love with our own ideas, right? And I, what I, what happened is I found this little bottle of Seaforth aftershave. And I had never heard of the brand before. And I'm looking at this tiny little bottle and it's shaped like a whiskey jug. And it's got this really stylized script that has a lot of energy and a big exclamation point. And the mascot on the logo is this kind of kilted Scottish guy who's always marching forward. He's never standing still. And I'm looking at this little bottle from 1940 and thinking, this is every image I have of men's products from the 1940s wrapped up in one little package. And I, and I fell in love with it. I thought it was a really cool thing. And so I researched the brand and realized that they were, they were pretty popular in the forties and fifties, but went out of business, you know, sometimes in the, sometime in the seventies or eighties and against my better judgment, 
I set a goal for myself to bring the brand back to life. And so what that meant for me was really starting from scratch and figuring out how to make soap, figuring out the supply chain aspects of it, um, marketing, promotion, all of those things. And I, and I gave myself nine months to get it all done. Uh, but I'm happy to say that we're, we're starting to get to the point where uh, we're near the launch of that product. It's funny because I feel like talking to other people, they have, you know, like so many like roadblocks and stuff like that. Like, have you hit any real roadblocks since, you know, coming up with your plan to, to launch, you know, with, with the soap and everything or? I hit a ton of roadblocks. Um, but the, the way that I set it up gave myself a lot of time to hit those roadblocks and not have it s- snowball into a big problem that could sink the entire project. And so that was intentional the way I set it up because all throughout the process, I would, I would make mistakes. I would, I would screw up packaging, you know, send out some orders and they get damaged and figure out that my packaging is wrong. So there were, there were tons and tons of little missteps, but you know, fortunately there was nothing so big that it kind of derailed the project. Sorry. uh, Would you say like, as far as learning some of those lessons, was that, with the experimental line for spearhead, like shipping out those soaps, labels and whatnot, or is this, uh, or, or did it happen at an- another point of, of development? Yeah, I would say that a lot of the, a lot of the learning experiences were very early on. I mean, when, when you're at that point in the project and you've never done any of this stuff before, it's, it's a very long, you know, it's a long learning curve. So figuring out the packaging, you only make that mistake once and it happens pretty early on. Um, messing up a batch of soap and having to scrap it. I mean, those are things that, that generally happened pretty early. I guess coming into it, here we are, because just this week, you announced that Seaforth, after going out in the 70s and 80s, is making a return. It is making a return. I'm excited. Can, can, you, can you talk a little bit about how we got here and talk about a couple of the the uh, launch products and the person that you uh, brought in to to help out with those things, uh, which I know a, a few people in the community will be very happy and interested in and kind of where we're going from there. <laughs> yeah. So the first three months of this entire project was spent, that was my experimental phase of developing a soap base. And that was, that was my only goal was coming up with a soap base that I thought could at least be mentioned in the same sentence with the top tier soaps on the market. Um, who knows whether I've achieved that or not. Well, you know, we'll find out, but that was my goal to put out something that, that I was proud of and that people would latch on to, Right. And throughout that entire process, I kind of had this agreement with customers where they didn't know what they were buying. They didn't know the base was unproven. It was the first time I ever made it. They didn't know what the, what the scent notes were or how strongly it was perfumed or anything like that. Uh, but I was really upfront and honest that this is an experimental product. Um, the flip side to that is they were inexpensive. Everything I've sold up until this point has been anywhere between $8 and $12. So that was kind of the bargain that I had with customers. And I was, I was really afraid that I didn't know if people would get the vision. I didn't know if they would perceive it as this is a cheap soap or if they would understand that this is a work in progress. And to my delight, people, people latched onto it and, and they were super helpful to the point where, you know, I, I correspond with the people regularly to get feedback on the soap. 
So after that first phase, I made it to the point where I had a base that I thought was ready for prime time at least. And then the next phase was just kind of scaling it up a little bit, graduating from making six soaps at a time to making 12 and then 20 and figuring out, you know, where will I source all of these ingredients, all of the components and how much will they cost me so I can make sure that my costing is in line. And then we made it to where we are today or kind of the phase that we're into today where it all shifts from tinkering and trying to experiment to now I'm coming up with the sense for a real product. I've got the base settled. I need to come up with the packaging and the branding. And I knew that in this kind of singularity we have with soap bases, there are, there are two things that can differentiate a product. It's either packaging or it's fragrance. And I think fragrance is the, the more compelling of those two. And I wanted something that was, that was timeless, uh, that was noteworthy, that would still be valuable 10 years from now. And so I knew I couldn't do it myself. And a really obvious choice is Sean Marr from Chateon Lux or Morrow Factive. And so I reached out to him and we, we made an agreement. And so he's developed the first two cents that will be developed for uh, C4. I think so often in, in, this, in this hobby, and I've been in it for a while. I've told John and, and uh, a lot of people that just, I, I kind of dived into the, the community and maybe only within the past year or so. But yeah, just to kind of like separate yourself from everyone else, because I mean, we're, we're all shavers we can, and we've used a ton of the products. Like everyone is putting out good stuff. Very few people are putting out at the least just average stuff. You know, everyone is really like pushing, um, pushing great products. And so when I heard that, you know, that Seaforth was going to come back and everything, this is just something so different because it's, it is a throwback. I imagine some people might remember that from way back when. And so many people nowadays are just going to be like, oh, I never heard of this company before. And they're going to look it up. They're going to see how you said that they went head to head kind of against Old Spice. And, and I think it's going to really, really excite. I've already seen that it's excited a lot of people already. Actually, that's probably something I should ask. Cause you know, you, you just announced it a couple of days ago, like what has the feedback been since the announcement of, of C4 coming back? The reception since the announcement has been, it's been fantastic. I mean, you said it yourself, this is, it's not, it's not a relationship between a company and a customer. This is a small tight knit community and we're all friends. We all interact with each other. We see the same people on, on Instagram and in IRC and on Reddit and everything. And so over the course of the last year, year and a half, I've really gotten to know a lot of the community. And I think people have a, a pretty good understanding of what I'm trying to achieve. They understand who the perfumer is behind it and the, the support and words of encouragement and everything have just been just absolutely outstanding, you know, for a, for a one man show who cooks soap in his kitchen, you know, to have so many people, um, not just talking about the product, but cheering you on and genuinely wanting you to be successful. It's, uh, it's really rewarding because this, this isn't my job. I mean, I have a full-time job. This is my hobby. It's my passion and I do it because I love it. And if it ever stops being fun, I'm not going to do it anymore. But to have to feel like you have a team of people behind you who are interested in the success of the product and the brand, that, that's, that's really something cool. Has, has COVID had a, an effect? Has it caused things to be pushed back a little bit? Um, 
you know, as far as the business is concerned or has everything still kind of been in line for what it is? It's had a huge impact, but in a very good way. It hasn't been bad at all. And, and what I mean by that, normally, like I said, I'm on the road three days a week, right? So I, during COVID, nobody was traveling. So I have so much more time at home. And instead of, instead of just watching Netflix, I, I had a project that I was actively working on, and it gave me so much more time to devote to it. And so that was, the, the timing of it was absolutely perfect. It kept me from going crazy by doing nothing. I had a goal, I had a vision and something that I was working on. I think the other, the other flip side to that is my kids were home from school. And up until that point, they hadn't really been a part of the operations. But when they were home and they had a bunch of time and I had a lot of orders to pack up, they participated in that. And so there are a lot of people who have gotten spearhead packages that talks about it was signed by the junior soap makers. That's my two daughters. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was cool. It's a nice touch. Right. But even more than that, it gave my daughters the opportunity to see some of the really good aspects of business, right? How do you treat customers? How do you interact with people? How do you do things the right way? How do you take care to put the label on straight, not crooked, just, just because it's the right thing to do, right? It gave me an opportunity to kind of work side by side my little, with my little girls and, and show them some of the aspects of business that I think are important. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. As you started, you know, with creating your soap base, what were the things you wanted to have performance-wise and has anything changed from the beginning to where you are now? Yeah, so when I think about performance criteria, we all know that a soap can't be drying, right? Some people talk about post-shave feel. My, my, my strict criteria there is that it can't dry out my face. If it makes my face feel really nice, all the better, but I'm not expecting a soap to be a moisturizing product. So then I look at the other performance characteristics, and I've always had a focus on I want the soaps to be very accessible for a new user, something that's easy to lather, something that's really easy to work with. So in terms of performance, ease of lather was very, very important. Slickness is a given. If a soap doesn't have slickness, it, it just doesn't make anybody's cut. But then one of the performance criteria that, you know, I don't even know what you'd call it. Sometimes people talk about cushion and I don't like the word cushion because I really don't even know what that means. But I do think some, there's some variability in the amount of protection that a soap offers. I have some soaps that are exceptionally slick, but if I'm careless, if I'm rushing through, I know that I'm going to get a little bit of irritation. And then I have some that I feel like there's a little bit of wiggle room there where I can be sloppy. I try not to be, um, but I can be a little bit sloppy and it's going to protect my face. And so with my eyes on being accessible to new users, I wanted something that would have a little bit of an extra level of protection. And I think some of the butters and fats and things that I add to the soap, especially the lanolin wax rather than lanolin oil, it, if, if you put too much in the formula, 
it's greasy and tacky and it can cause the razor to stutter across your face. But if you put the right amount, it kind of creates a barrier. And so those are really my performance criteria. I want it to be very easy to use for somebody and I want it to be protective and forgiving for a new user. In terms of whether anything has changed over time, um, no, not really. That, that's really what I set out to achieve in the beginning. I'm, I'm glad that early on I was able to figure out the latherability aspect of it because I, I fell into it by dumb luck. And had I just kept experimenting, it may have taken me 20 more iterations to figure it out. But sometimes you make mistakes and they end up being really pleasant surprises. So that was one of them. Well, I wonder if um, we can backtrack then, because I'm really curious, what is the significance of the Seaforth name to you? And I'm also curious just to hear um, why revive an old brand as opposed to, I don't know, making like making this a subline, a spearhead or something that's brand new and parallel to spearhead. Why, why Seaforth? So right before I discovered this Seaforth brand that I didn't know anything about, I was at this kind of stage in my life where I shouldn't call it a stage in my life. It was a period of time where I was kind of nostalgic because um, I I don't know if you guys know this. The name Spearhead is named after my grandfather, who was a captain in the army in World War II. And he was in the, the Spearhead Division, the Third Armored Division. And so he fought in the Battle of the Bulge. They were armored reconnaissance, you know, a pretty gritty job. Uh, but the connection there is I didn't know a whole lot about his life, and I knew even less about his military past, but I knew that he was a wet shaver. He shaved every day of his adult life, um, even when he was in the military, even when he was over in, in combat conditions. And so that's kind of where the name of the company came from. Um, but right before I had decided to do the Spearhead, I'm sorry, the uh, Seaforth Project, I had I found this trove of information about him. It was four months of after-action reports from World War II from his division where it mentioned him by name. And I found his high school yearbooks. And these are things that, you know, even my family hasn't seen before, right? So I'm, I'm piecing through all of this historic stuff. And I'm trying to piece together the biography of a guy that I didn't really know very well. And, you know, when you're, when you're kind of doing that, it's hard not to be nostalgic and it's hard not to kind of think about the way things were, right? And so that happened right before I saw the Seaforth bottle. And I think some of, some of those feelings and emotions carried over into, I found this nostalgic bottle I'm working on this company that's focused on wet shaving, and that's the connection to my grandfather. And I think a a lot of those things combined to really bring the Seaforth brand to life. You're already diving into the past, right? So, of course, a legacy brand that that your grandfather might have used, or at least, you know, his peers and people in the time. Seaforth and... Old Spice were launched within one year of each other. And for the first two decades that they were in business, they were in head-to-head competition. Seaforth came out with their Heather scent first, and Old Spice had their, obviously, their classic spiced scent. And this was a really popular product for decades. And so I think it's really cool to know that not only did he probably use Seaforth at some point in time, he probably used a Gillette khaki set, the same one that I'm recreating, uh, you know, almost a century later. And that, that's really cool. That connection to the history of wet shaving, I think, is it's really valuable. And I think it brings to light this, this reality of wet shaving that we had all this stuff figured out 100 years ago. 
we had the products, we had the razors, we had the cases, we had the kit and the gear and all that stuff. And then when cartridges became popular, we forgot all of that stuff. And I think uh, what we see with heritage shaving, bringing back those shaving brushes and the razor case and all of this stuff, we have this really deep well of fantastic ideas that we know work and they're great. We've just forgotten about them. And so I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit still for people to bring back some nostalgic stuff from what I think of as kind of the golden era of wet shaving. Any last words for, for our listeners? If the mic's on you, I guess. <laughs> you just asked me to give my last words and there's a global pandemic. So, <laughs> you know, uh, given that, I don't know that I want to give any last words. Uh, but, you know, I think that one thing I will say to anybody that's listening is I continue to be just absolutely overwhelmed with the tightness of the community, the generosity of the community, just the fact that there is a community at all. When I was getting started, um, I, I reached out to a number of different artisans to ask questions. And I, I tried to never ask anything that was a trade secret, uh, but it was little practical day-to-day -day stuff, right? And with the exception of, of one time, everybody got back to me. Everybody got back to me. And, and one of those was, uh, I'm going to go into a story on a, on, a, on a short outro here, but Rod at Sterling, before I even got started making the spearhead safety razor case, I emailed him. He didn't know me from Adam. And I sent him a note and I said, here's what I'm thinking about doing before I take a couple thousand dollars and put it into this project. What do you think about it? Am I just in love with my own idea or does this thing have legs? And I didn't really expect a response, but lo and behold, a day later, I get an email back from Rod. And not only is it a response, it's a really thoughtful response with words of encouragement saying, Hey, I think you've got something here. I think if you, if you work at it, you've got a really good product. And so, you know, if it weren't for that one interaction with me and Rod, there would be no spearhead shaving company. There would be no razor case. There would be no experimental soaps. Um, and so I think the community is so great that a lot of the great things that happen are, are spurred by the good people that are within the community. So I think I would close out on that thought that I'm, I'm so grateful to for the people that I get to interact with and the people that have helped me along the way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dennis. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Both Gerard and I ha have been big fans of what you've been doing with Spearhead. We're super excited with what's coming with Seaforth, and we just want to wish you all the success um, that people will discover you through whatever means, word of mouth, through the community, just thank you so much for your time, Dennis. And we just really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Lather Talk. You can find all the links for Spearhead Shaving Company in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next episode.